Hello, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of United States podcast. Hi, I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we will focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we will talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting person, we will try to get them as a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast unusual is that only one of us sails. That would be me, Bela. I've been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the East Coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know very little about sailing. As a matter of fact, I don't know port from starboard, and attack is something that other kids put on my chair right before I sat on it when I was in elementary school. So I'll ask most of the questions, and Bela, you take care of the answers, okay? I'll try to do that, Mike. But before we dive into this episode, we need to say thank you to our supporters. We do this podcast because we enjoy making every episode just for our listeners. Several listeners have made a monthly financial contribution to support the podcast and help defray the cost of producing these episodes. If you'd like to support the podcast, there's a link in the show notes onto a support page on Anchor. Anchor is the host that we use for the podcast. Just click on the link and you can support the show. Thanks again to all of our supporters. Yeah, agreed, Bela. Thanks. Now, Bela, it's been a while since we've talked. Have you been out on the boat lately? We sure have. Uh, it's summertime and, you know, it's prime season. So actually, we've been on the boat uh, this past week for several days. And I'll tell you, boy, was this past week hot. We had five days of 95 degrees plus, high humidity, and not much wind. So several consecutive temperature records were broken. And I'll say, Mike, it was a repeat of 45 years ago. Now, wait, Bela, what do you mean about 45 years ago? You just said in the intro, if our listeners were carefully listening, that you've been sailing for 30 years. Were you sailing 45 years ago? Well, 45 years ago to the week, Elaine and I were in Maine on our honeymoon. Ah. Yeah, and boy, was it hot. It was 95 degrees up in Maine, and they were breaking all sorts of record temperatures. So... This was the identical same week, so it was just after our anniversary we were on the boat, and uh, boy, it brought back memories. And I'll, I'll say it was so hot that week, I remember this, this very distinctly. We went up to Bar Harbor, and in, in Bar Harbor, there's one small beach, and I remember it was like 95 degrees, and we stayed in these little, you know, motels that, you know, the old-fashioned ones that are, you know, out run by a little family, and they have five or six cottages or whatever, were five or six rooms, no air conditioning, and it was a hot day, so we said, okay, we're going to go to the beach. So we, we pull into the parking lot of the beach, and when I say a beach in Maine, in Bar Harbor, it's not very big. I mean, maybe the beach is 50 yards wide, right? Okay. And uh, we notice all the people are standing in the water, but they're standing right on the edge of the water. So they have water maybe halfway up their calf or, you know, and no one's out swimming, and no one's laying on the sand. So that's kind of strange. So we get out of the car, and, and we start walking across the parking lot, which was really hot, and, and to the sand. And, of course, we kick off our, our flip-flops, right? And, man, the sand is so freaking hot, we had to put our flip-flops back on. Because it turns out the sand there is not traditional sand. It's made up of shells, or some, some other substance, so it really holds and absorbs the heat really well. Mm. 
So the sand was so hot you couldn't walk on it. So I said, okay, great. We'll just go down under the water. And we get into the water. And of course, the water is so freaking Freezing. cold. Right. <laughs> right? You, you go numb after like 30 seconds. So you, you can't go in the water past your calf because you'll just get die of hypothermia. You couldn't sit out on the beach because it was so freaking hot. So that's why people were standing there just in the shallow water. There's no waves up there or anything. You know, in the shallow water, just trying to stay cool. So anyway, it was a really hot last uh, several days on the boat. But 45 years later, yep. you uh, you can celebrate it on the boat again, which is that's pretty right. cool. That's uh, Congratulations. That's an amazing feat. Um, but this leads me to a question, Bela. So, and I guess when I've been on sailboats, it hasn't been super hot, but... The sailboat is sitting in water, and water is cooler than the air, right? And it's not absorbing the heat like the ground does. If it's hot on land, is it still hot on the boat? Yeah, it is, because the the, the sun beats on the boat, okay. and there's a lot sense. of reflection off the water, and the boat absorbs heat, as you can imagine. And, you know, I, I remember when we were looking at boats— um, we saw some boats that had blue hulls. They have like a dark navy blue hull, and they're gorgeous looking. I mean, a, a, there's nothing. Ni- I mean, a blue hull just looks nice on a boat. And we actually looked at one boat that had a blue hull, and it was pretty nice. We really liked it a lot. And I remember reading a few things or talking to people, and they said dark hulls get hot in the summer. <laughs> and uh, I can't imagine how hot because our boat was pretty hot inside and has a white hull and a white deck, right? Um, but the good news is uh, our boat has air conditioning. Um, so, you know, that makes it pretty comfortable down below when you're in the cabin. Of course, when you're out sailing, you know, it, you, you're not in the air conditioning when you're in the cockpit. Yeah, interesting. Now, when you're out sailing, can you use the air conditioning or does that only work when you're at the dock or when you're anchored? How does that whole system work? Yeah, so on on most boats, uh, the air conditioning work does not work off the batteries. It actually it takes works too on much juice. Yeah, it takes mm-hmm. way too much juice. So I mean, there are some people that have put in huge battery banks and a big inverter, and they can run the air conditioning. <clears throat> That's not us. Uh, so the air conditioning actually needs 115 volts, or if I was in the rest of the world, 220. Mm-hmm. Um, so when at the dock. I plug into what's called shore power. I basically have a big extension cord. One end of it plugs into the boat. The other end of it plugs into power that's available there at the dock. And most marinas have this power. It's called shore power. Uh, So you can plug your boat in and you can charge your batteries and you can run the air conditioning. So that works really great. We're at the dock, you know, so sleeping in, in the evening or whatever, we can run the air conditioning. Uh, Now on my boat, I also have a generator, and that generator generates 115 volts, and so I can actually run the air conditioning off of the generator. Uh, cool. So if so the you mar- don't need to be at shore, right? I don't have to be at, on shore power. If I was at anchor or on a mooring, and it was really hot, I can turn the generator on and I can run the air conditioning. I will say that it's pretty rare <clears throat> that when you're on the water in the evening. You need air conditioning because here, where the, once the sun goes down, the water temperature is colder than the air temperature, and it cools off that layer of air that's pretty close to the water. 
and you know you'll get a little bit of a breeze and you open all the hatches and it's pretty rare that i have to have the air conditioning on when we're sleeping on the boat but these were a rare four days <laughs> that we had the air conditioning on so yeah nice so you were reasonably comfortable yeah yeah you were, okay. at least for sleeping okay. yes interesting now if I remember correctly from last year, and you're telling me about your grandkids and everything, your marina has a pool. So am I, do I remember that correctly? Yep, you're right. We, we have a, it has a very nice pool, which, of course, when the grandkids come, they love hanging out at the pool. And I will say that during the days, Elaine and I also hung out at the pool because, again, it was pretty hot. And we only sailed once uh, during this trip. Um, and, you know, here's the challenge with a sailboat on these really, really hot days. Um, when you're sailing into the wind, you have a nice breeze. Uh, so it was okay from a temperature perspective, right? Unless it's like super, super muggy out, you get a nice breeze and it's comfortable. And the wind speed you get is the wind, the actual wind speed plus the speed of the boat because you're going into the wind, right? So it's sort of an additive effect. And on, on Narragansett Bay, the prevailing wind is from the south. So, you know, probably seven out of 10 days, the wind is from the south. And we're in the northern part of the bay, so we typically head south when we leave the marina. So it's nice and cool, right? Or I shouldn't say it's cool. It's bearable when on a super hot day. And we have a, we have a bimini, so we don't have to be in the sun, right? So there's a big awning on the back part of the boat and the cockpit keeps you out of the sun. So it's not bad. Uh, but then at some point, we gotta turn around <laughs> and come back and now we're going with the wind. Uh, so now it's the speed of the wind, the actual speed of the wind, minus the boat speed is, is the wind that you feel in the boat. And oftentimes that is close to zero because the sailboat yeah. doesn't go very fast, right? If I had a power boat, right. I, I could go 25 miles an hour. You and could I could make, a, make your own breeze. Right? right, I could make my own breeze. But in the sailboat, particularly going with the wind, I can't, it's hard to make my own breeze. So... Those, that's the part that gets really hot because when you're out there, uh, even if you're in the shade uh, with all the reflection coming off the water and there's no breeze, it, it was hot. So we only went, went sailing. We only went sailing once. Sounds pretty brutal. Now, how'd the kids do? Well, the kids weren't here this time, uh, okay. but uh, sort of what they're coming, they're coming soon. But what I wanted to make this episode about, the primary subject, was to talk about having kids on a boat and sort of what you have to do to sort of deal with kids on a boat. And, um, you know, it, the, having the grandkids on the boat is the best part uh, of having the boat, but it's also a part that can, can be challenging. Interesting. Now, you've got three granddaughters, right? Remind me again how old they are. Yep. So you're correct. I have three. So my older son has two of them, uh, and 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 they are eight and six years old. And then my younger son has uh, one daughter, and she's 14 months. Okay. And so three really different ages. This must be different challenges, right? For kind of managing this whole process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know. Let, let me first start off by addressing safety, right? Because with kids and safety, it's important. So one of my rules on the boat is once we leave the dock, everyone must wear a life jacket. No exceptions. Adults, kids, everybody wears a life jacket. 
right? If you don't want to abide by that rule, <laughs> you're not coming on my boat. Stay in the dock. I, right? I'm, Stay in I'm the sorry. Dock. Maybe that sounds harsh, but that's the way it is. And for the adults, I have these self-inflating life jackets. Okay. Explain that to me again. Yeah. So uh, these are really great. Uh, they've been around for a number of years. Uh, and they, and I guess uh, if you're not familiar, they sort of look like the ones you see flight attendants uh, demo on airplanes. You know, they kind of go over your head, but, but they're all folded up. So, so it just looks like a thin tube that wraps around your neck with some straps, right? But when, when they inflate, they sort of look big like the ones you see on airplanes with the flight attendants demoing. And man, I tell you, they're very comfortable. I don't even notice I have it on. Unlike those big, bulky life jackets that you see people wearing, which, you know, hinder your motion and all sorts of stuff, and they're hot. These, these are quite nice. Um, and, and they're comfortable, uh, and I, I really, man, I recommend those to, to everyone. Now, they're a little pricey, right? Uh, they're, you can probably get them now in the right around 100 bucks, and then, you know, they go up from there because you can get fancier ones with built-in harnesses, et cetera. Uh, so, Yeah. Now, you know, talking about self-inflating, how, how does that work? What kind of, is there some sort of mechanism or something? What's the engineering behind that? Yeah. So there's, there's kind of two types. Um, so there's one type that if you fall in the water, it's like the ones on the airplane, uh, you, have to pull a, you have to pull a little cord, a little handle that sticks out. And, and that uh, inflates it automatically because there's a CO2 cartridge in there. And that punctures the CO2 cartridge releases the CO2 and inflates the life jacket. So those are okay. the ones that you have to manually inflate. So the ones that I bought are actually automatically inflating, right? So there's some little mechanism in there that when you fall into the water, it senses that you fell into the water and it automatically inflates. I don't have to do anything. Uh, so, you know, yes. if for some, if you're unconscious, that's works really well when you're unconscious, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Cause right. In a boat, that's not uh, impossible, right? You can hit, a lot of things are swinging and right. The boom is swinging and right. Right. Get tripped up in lines and things like that. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's several manufacturers who make this type of life jacket. Uh, you know, I highly recommend that, that people make that investment because I mean, it, 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 as it says, it can save, save your life. Um, so yeah, so now back to the kids on the boat. Okay. So with Sorry, the older I ones, you. Yeah. no, no, it's okay. So with the older ones, uh, you know, so they're active, right? They're six and eight. And I try to do a couple things. I try to get them involved. So they have self, uh, uh, identified themselves as assistant captain and first, and the other one's the first mate. <laughs> Excellent. I hope they have some sort of hat or some sort of, you know, like airport, the pilot wings or something that yeah. indicate this. That's a good idea, Mike. You know, they don't, but maybe I need to get them a shirt, a t-shirt or something. Absolutely. A, or a hat or something. Yes. Yeah. That's a good idea. So I give them things to do, right? So when, when you know, be, while we're at the dock, we look at the chart to, and kind of plan out where we're going to go. Uh, I, we talk about the wind, what the expected wind is for the day, the direction of the wind and the tide. Uh, so just try to get them involved, right? And that works to various different degrees depending upon their level of interest at the moment uh, and their attention span at the moment. Um, and then once we, once we, you know, when we're leaving the dock, I give them things to do like, you know, I'm going to throw this line to you, so I need you to catch it and then coil it up. And 
So keeping them involved, I think, is is a, a, a big trick here. Uh, and then once we're out, I have them take the helm, right? Now, I'm standing next to them, but, you know, they mm-hmm. steer the boat, and that's really exciting for them to do that, of course. Uh, and we can adjust the sails. <clears throat> um, and, you know, for this more elaborate stuff like adjusting the sails, taking the helm, you know, it's with assistance and supervision. Um, and it's one of the nice things about a sailboat. There's always stuff to do. And it, and, it, and it's not difficult to make up some stuff if you want to, right? Because there's just a lot of stuff on a sailboat. So, you know, that works pretty well. Interesting. Now, one of the things that I know about children, not having any of myself, is that they have extraordinarily sometimes short attention spans. How do you deal with that, Bela? Because you only got a small, I mean, your boat's pretty big, but it's not that big. Yeah, Th- that that is a challenge. So... You know, sometimes it's amazing when they're when they're interested in things how long they will stay focused on something, and and other times they're focused on something for like fifteen seconds. <laughs> right. So one of the things that we've been doing that works pretty well is we try to turn things into games because the two sisters are pretty competitive, <laughs> right? So okay. we we can we can use that to our advantage, like counting navigation buoys and identifying what the number on the next navigation buoy will be and which side should that buoy be on the boat should it be on our port or should it be on our starboard right we're looking for certain types of birds or ducks or other wildlife stuff Uh, seeing how many other sailboats we can count when we see (laughs) on the horizon right or trying to look and spot for crab pots uh these, these are all sort of things that you can turn into a sort of a competitive game that works very well with my two older granddaughters. And nice. so, yeah. yeah. And since one is the assistant captain and the other one's the first mate, we also take turns as to who's on duty. <laughs> so, nice. so, okay. Do you send the other one below for nap time? Well, I mean, they, I think that's okay. right. They, they can do whatever they want then. Right. Okay. They'll, they'll, they'll like do it. something else, but go, oh, you're on duty now for the next five minutes. And yep. they understand the concept of five minutes, right? All and right. It'll, it'll get them to focus. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it sounds like really keeping them occupied and busy, like I think any kid or really grownups too is the, is the key, right? Until they can sit there and read a book and be happy drinking a lemonade, right? Right. You got to right. kind of engage with them. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's really, in many ways, it's not any different than having them over at the house, right? When they come over mm-hmm. to the house to spend the day, I mean, we got to, we got to keep them occupied. And we have a, a fair number, a couple of board games on the boat and some cards, a deck of cards. Uh, you know, we have videos. There's a TV on the boat, so, you know, they can watch their videos if they want. And, you know, you just got to keep them entertained. It's like having them over the house or, you know, if, the, if you're on a long trip with kids in the car, you got to bring stuff for them to do in the back. Uh, and otherwise, the good thing, you can pay the price. You otherwise. can pay now or you can pay later, right? Yeah. The good thing about the boat is there's a lot more things to do on the boat than when you're sitting in the back seat of a car and they can move around that's right which is nice that's right now the little one she's just a little over a year old that's a whole different set of challenges i would imagine isn't it yeah boy it sure is and i'll tell you she's just learned to walk so earlier this summer and last summer you know you put her down and she sort of stayed put she might crawl around but she was pretty pretty put wherever you wherever you you took her now she likes to explore so that has added some special challenges 
So someone always needs to be watching her, right? So that's that's like now you just can't put her down for a minute and know that she'll be there a minute later. Um, so that that makes it a challenge. The other thing that's been interesting is she still takes naps. She takes a morning nap and mm. she takes an afternoon nap. And by the way, if she sounds good to me, yeah, if she misses her nap, <laughs> right? It's not fun for anyone because she okay. gets kind of cranky and fussy. So, the, so you need that, that structure. Yeah. So you need that structure. So uh, her parents, uh, my son and daughter-in-law, bought her like this little pop-up tent uh, that um, is a play thing for kids. And what they, as an idea of they could put her in that to sleep and take her naps. And what they did was they actually introduced that tent to her uh, first at their house. And then they put the, 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 the tent on her bed at home and she took her nap in the bed at home. So she That's got sharp. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty, I've been impressed by how they, the thoughtfulness that goes into sort of parenting strategies. Uh, parenting strategies. Yes. Um, so they introduced her to it at home, uh, first kind of in the family room, so she you know knew what it was, crawled in and out, and then in her bed, so she's sleeping it, and then it was just, I think it was yesterday, as a matter of fact, was they, they brought her over to the boat, and she took a nap in the tent on the boat. And uh, so that has, that has worked out really well. Uh, and, uh, we have a several day trip with them planned in August, uh, and okay. for, for an overnight to actually, you know, sleep on the boat. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Cool. So that will be, that will be the big test. Uh, and I think with, you know, lots of kids, it's just kind of getting her familiar and comfortable with these new surroundings and, um, you know, and then being able to say, okay, this is fine. And cause kids are really super adaptable. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, so you figured out a way with some different tools and some different methodologies at different ages and whether you're at, uh, you know, at the marina or whether you're out in the, in the open water, or you're, you're anchored somewhere. Um, you, I guess the key, right, is to find ways to get at least the older kids involved and engaged and feel some ownership, right? Which is really how you want to build your organization, right? You and I talk a lot about entrepreneurship <laughs> right. on the side, right? And it's, building an engaged team, right? That all everybody feels valuable and valued. Um, everybody has a, a reasonably clearly defined role. Um, you try to make a clear ask on what you need people to help you with and then thank them and reward them for it. And it sounds like you're doing all that just in the context of taking a nice uh, sail uh, on your boat. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, you know, with the older ones, it's about keeping them occupied and sort of the gamification of activities. That works mm -hmm. very well when there's two of them because they can compete. And for the 14-month-old, you know, it's about getting her normal routines adapted to the boat life. Yeah. And uh, she's very routine-driven. And, and so you got to figure out how you can get those to work on the boat so they're, so they're not disruptive. So, yeah. So what do you think? Time to wrap this cool. one up, Mike? Sure. That's, that's great. I think that... Uh... I learned a lot, you know, kids are not necessarily something that I know a lot about, but it's been interesting to hear you talk about your strategies and how you um, kind of get to enjoy the time with them in a way that's constructive and happy. 
Um, listeners, I hope that you've also found this conversation interesting and thought-provoking. If you have questions about what we've just discussed, of course, feel free to get in touch with us, and I will refer all questions immediately about children to you, Bela. Um, <laughs> our email is sailingtheeast at gmail.com. Yeah, so if you, hey, if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your podcasting application. And if you know someone that would make a good guest for the show, let us know. I'll be out sailing, like I said, most of August with various different family members joining us for several days at a time. Hope to see you out there on Narragansett Bay somewhere. So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon. And Bela, that sounds good. I'll be uh, holding down the fort here on land side here in Munster, Germany. And until next time, I wish you a good sailing uh, and good health. <laughs> <laughs>